0: What is the county seat. If the, if the county seat is not desirable, it gives the entire county a black eye. So that's why we felt it was very important to improve the county seat and make it something that everybody in Genesee County can be proud of. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary
1: Things. I'm your host, Cliff DuVenois. Today's guest... Found a rundown, fire stricken building that he wanted to buy for the nonprofit that he leads. But how do you buy such a building, let alone renovate it, when you have no money, no line of credit in a part of downtown that no one really wants to go? Well, today's guest faced that challenge. With the support of nonprofits, business leaders, and a very loyal community, the transformation of one building soon turned into the revitalization of downtown Flint which now brings in tens and even hundreds of thousands of people every year. Please welcome to the show the president and CEO of the Greater Flint Arts Counselor, Greg
0: Fiedler. Greg, how are you? I'm doing great, Cliff. Glad to have you here today. And why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? Well, I grew up in the Flint area. I lived in the countryside for a while outside of Clio, Michigan. And then we uh, moved into the city for a couple of years, and then my dad built another house in the Burbs. So I've lived in all three situations (laughs) here most of my life, except for the time that I went away to college. Where did you go to college? I went to school at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Go blue. Go blue.
1: Now, you graduated from college. So let's talk a little bit about the Greater Flint Art Council.
0: How did it get started
1: in the first place?
0: Well, the, the Arts Council came from the, uh, the movement that was started by the John F. Kennedy administration back in the early 60s. Due to his untimely death, he was not able to carry out his plans, but Lyndon Johnson did carry them out after his death and formed the National Endowment for the Arts. In response to that, the state art, the, the different states throughout the country started state arts councils. And then localities started local arts councils. After that, so most local arts councils were were formed in, in the mid to late '60s, and um, Greater Flint Arts Council was started in 1967. And so, with what was the mission of the Greater Flint Arts Council? Well, the mission has always been to grow the arts in Genesee County, and that you know the different ways that we've done that I'm sure have evolved over the years because we have to. Always be mindful of what the needs are and where the focus is, and and that may change from time to time. But we've had a pretty good, a pretty strong focus on the direction that we're going in since 1985, actually. They started doing cultural planning way back in 1985, and uh, our areas of focus have have not changed too much since then. We uh, would give support services to local artists and help them build their careers. We give support services to arts organizations. We give support services to arts educators, and we do mass marketing programs so that the public will know what their options are, both as audience and as creators. What I want to do is I want to talk about
1: the actual building, the location of where you're at in downtown Flint. It's actually had a very interesting history in and of itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, it has a kind of a unique story to the to building flint went through kind of a renaissance in the 80s and it, it didn't really take so a, a lot of the structures that they built went empty or, or were repurposed and all the retail left and went to the malls so this was like it was a furniture store peerless furniture company and it was like the last main retailer um in downtown There the, the there were a few clothing stores that are still in business today, but for the most part, all the retailers left. and there was a fire in the building here in the in, in the late '90s, they passed the Civil Rights Act for people with disabilities, and there was and, and they gave everybody in the mental institutions the choice whether they wanted to leave or stay, because as, as long as they weren't a danger to society, um, the new law said that we couldn't hold them. There was one woman who was uncomfortable with that, and she went to the courthouse next door, you know, across the street over here, county courthouse, and asked them, I want to be incarcerated. Um, How can I do it? And they said, well, you have to prove that you're a danger to society. And she said, well, like what? And they said, you know, like starting fires and stuff. Oh, no. So she left the courthouse, and she came (laughs) over here and walked through the front door, and she went upstairs to the second floor in the bedroom department and started a fire on one of the beds. so (laughs) there were two buildings that the furniture company was occupying and the one where she started the fire burned completely down and this one was only saved because of millions of gallons of water that were poured down through it so at that time the furniture company made the decision to move to the shopping district uh, out on miller road and left this building vacant and so it left the community there's this famous mural on the side of the building that advertises the Werner's bed beverage and it's it's fairly artfully done and it's it's got a fantasy theme to it it's it's the Verner's gnomes storing casks of Werner's in their castle and people just you know so many generations have grown up it was painted in 1932 so many generations have grown up uh, watching it it's amazing what what uh what people can get attached to Right, and, the, and so there was this conversation going everywhere. What are we going to do to save the Werner's Mural? I mean, I went to Kiwanis Club one day, and you know this had been going on for months and months, and the, the guys at Kiwanis Club were goading me. Greg, what are you going to do to save the Werner's Mural? And I'm like, whoa, when did it become my job to save the Werner's Mural? <laughs> well, you're the, the president of the Arts Council. Come on. So I said, okay, here we go, and I called a town hall meeting. And 80 people showed up at this town hall meeting. Now, in the 90s, if any people showed up for anything, that means it was a really big deal. And you had a pretty good chance of being successful. So I, I was very hopeful. You know, we, we didn't have any assets back then. So some of the artists stood up in, during the meeting and they said, you know, what are we going to do with this building? And the artists started saying, well, let's make a permanent home for the Arts Council in this building. Everyone liked that idea. Wonderful.
1: Up until that point, where was the Greater Flint Arts Council?
0: Well, we had occupied a couple different spaces over the years, but at that time we were renting a studio in the front of the historic Capitol Theater building.
1: Okay. So you've got... Public sentiment is behind keeping the mural, which is essentially part of the building. And at some point... The, the owners of the building were thinking, you know what, maybe we should just demolish the building, get rid of it,
0: right? We had already signed a contract. To make that happen. For so what, what happened after that? People started making pledges, like right there in the meeting. Lawyers, people that work downtown. I came over, I I knew that the trucks had already been parked out here, the the cranes and everything, and and the demolition company just happened to be owned by an old friend of mine that I graduated from high school without at Kearsley High School. Nice, uh, Martin Bernash of uh, Bernash Wrecking, and uh, I said, Martin, you know, I think we're going to buy this building. Can you can you hold off on tearing it down? I mean, the crane's already out there scooping the other building away, the remains of it. And Martin said, you know, I'll, he says, if you buy this building, I'll cancel my contract and I'll make a donation. So that's kind of how it all started. Then we. The building was in a trust because the actual owner of the property had passed away, and his relatives were running the Peerless Furniture Company. And so we were able to purchase the property from the trust, and they were very reasonable with us. They had some insurance money for demolition, and so they subtracted the demolition money from the price of the building. We started fundraising, and the fire was in in September of 95 by March of 96 we'd raised enough money to buy the the property and and it was ours.
1: And this is coming from people donating, businesses donating, just everybody donating because they wanted to save this building.
0: Yeah, and and the uh, Cadbury Beverage Company, the owners of Verners, gave us a large donation towards the purchase, almost well, actually they gave us half of what we needed. Oh, beautiful. To purchase the building. And then we we started fundraising to Renovate the building so we can move in and occupy it. And we we had some very generous grants given to us at the time. Um, we got HUD money from the city of Flint was the largest portion of it, and we also got a large grant from the Capital Improvement Program at the Michigan Arts and Culture Council. And I know a lot of people out there are
1: struggling and they're thinking to themselves, "How are we ever going to find the money for this? How are we going to?" But it seems like. In your particular case, especially when it came to this building, that there just seemed to be a lot of organizations out there that were willing to donate. How do you go about finding those organizations
0: or reaching out? Or did you have like a team of people that were helping you? How did that work? We had an amazing committee. Two architects, Jackie Hoyst and Ron Campbell, chaired the fundraising committee to, to revitalize this building. And they did a phenomenal job and of course we had we had a small staff um there were just a few of us on staff at the time because we were a much smaller organization back then and then we we just we had about a hundred volunteers and it was a divide and conquer you know everybody brought their resources to the table awesome Um, we started approaching people the arts council had a board of trustees and um, there you go they helped shake the bushes and and bring in some donations and and then at the last minute, I was we were just finishing up with uh, what we needed to do to, to move in here. And I was about $12,000 short. I sent out a message to uh, the uh, granddaughter of, uh, well, actually her husband was the president of the Mott Foundation at the time, uh, Bill White. And I sent out a message to him and, and he asked his wife, Claire, if she would. Uh, make up the difference for me. So <laughs> I had a large donation from uh, Claremont White, who's the granddaughter of C.S. Mott, that kind of sealed the deal, paid off the last amount of the bills on the place. So when we moved in, we were completely debt-free. And this was a small nonprofit that had no, almost no assets whatsoever. And overnight, we owned property.
1: Yeah, for our audience, we're going to take a, a moment to uh, thank our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Greg about some of the awesome things they're actually doing in the community. If you are enjoying this episode, well, then let me tell you, there's plenty more interesting stories to come. Michigan is full of people doing extraordinary things. And you can get these great stories sent directly to your inbox. Just go to TotalMichigan.com slash join, enter your email address and join our community. When you do, we will also send you our top five interviews, the powerful lessons we've learned from these people, an invitation to our Facebook group, behind the scenes stories and pictures, as well as a advance notice of upcoming guests and events. Just go to TotalMichigan.com slash join. It's fast, it's free, and it's easy. Sign up today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am talking with uh, Greg, and we're at the Greater Flint Arts Council. And we just got done talking about the... The excellent community support that really rallied around to help them to not only preserve this building but to actually restore it. What was what was some of the 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 influences or some of the the comments or something that came out with regards to just taking pride in this building and then this neighborhood for that matter?
0: Well, you know, it seems like for the first couple months, I wandered around here kind of in awe (laughs) as you would i couldn't hardly sit down at my desk because (laughs) we were renting a 1600 square foot studio and then all of a sudden i had six thousand square feet what are we going to do to fill this with this giant gallery which I, i believe is the largest gallery in genesee county for local artists you know outside of the museums i'm just kind of in awe you know how beautiful it all turned out and and i was out in the gallery one day and and the president of the Mott Foundation walked in the front door, uh, William White. Everybody call him Bill. And uh, he had uh, his assistant with him. He said, would you sit down and talk to us for a while? <laughs> and I said, well, sure. You know? hey, You're a big donor? Yeah, I'd <laughs> like time for you. Sure. <laughs> he said, you know, I've been watching you from the Ivory Tower, which is the Mott Foundation he was referring to. Right. And he says, I was betting against you. I didn't think you'd be able to pull this off. Boom. Oh, I love it already. And... Uh, he says now that you have he says I want to talk to you about how you've done it and and I've noticed you know there's a lot been a lot of community support and a lot of media support and I'd like to hear your ideas about how that could be turned into possibly renovating other parts of downtown beautiful to you know to take this energy and turn it into a movement I told him first of all all of the old retail families are sitting on their properties and speculating that They're hoping someday that they're going to get some money out of these properties. I said, so the first thing we need to do is buy all these properties and get control of them so that we can get them into the hands of people that will actually do something with them. So he kind of liked that idea and and decided that we'd kind of move forward in that direction. But he assigned me to a consultant that he'd already been working with. uh, His name is Clark Tibbetts. Clark also had a home in Asheville, North Carolina, well, just outside of Asheville, where him and his wife actually lived most of the time. And so the Mott Foundation set up a committee, and they, they paid for Clark and I to go around and kind of assess communities that had successful development programs and to formulate a model. In Asheville, we found this nonprofit development company that was actually acting as a nonprofit and partnering with other folks to. And Asheville was way ahead of us, but their story was very similar to Flint. They had two industries that employed almost everybody in the community and both industries within a short period of time went out of business. They had this nonprofit development company and they also had this huge festival called, it's called the Bell Share Festival. They were about 20 years ahead of us. And when they started, they told us, and, and I, I imagine that they started in the 70s because they were about 20 years into it. They started with 20% occupancy in their downtown area. And I thought, well, that's real similar to what's going on in Flint. And, and got them to thinking about redeveloping downtown was they had this huge festival. Hundreds of thousands of people came there every year. And it got all the businessmen looking around and going, man, we got to do something about this downtown. But uh, they formed this nonprofit agency and, and that was the model we brought back to flint and and they liked it and so a, a couple of the uh, downtown leaders bill donahue who was the president of the focus council and bill kaya who was the director of the downtown development authority got together and 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 did the paperwork to start what's now called the uptown reinvestment corporation here in flint the first thing we did was we got a grant from the state of Michigan for $800,000. And we were able to buy 10 of the empty properties with them Right up front. And then the um, the um, MDOT, Michigan Department of Transportation, uh, we were able to help the city of Flint get a big grant to to redo the, the streetscape. They relayed all the bricks, leveled them out, ripped up all the sidewalks on each side, put in new cement, all new furniture, all new lighting, and and then the historical society members uh, got involved, and they they got the old Flint arches recreated and and put back up, and you know it just started to escalate. I had a seat on the board of trustees of the Uptown Reinvestment Corporation, and Bill White's son Ridgeway was I, I'd say kind of early in his career was assigned as a staff person working with Uptown. And and he had a vision for some huge projects. So he just totally amazed us. He, he led the organization through um, renovating the old Hyatt Regency Hotel and turned it into a student residence center for the colleges. And there were a number of projects he turned on while he was on Uptown. And all of a sudden, you know, we went from small projects to to really huge projects, and and in the meantime, they got lo- the local developers to form a for-profit division called the Uptown Six. Um, when it was first formed, there were about six of them, and they called it the Uptown Six. And so now the up the for-profit developers were leveraging funds to renovate the buildings that the nonprofit had purchased. Okay, and so we all we all became partners. So it, it was pretty amazing how things fell into place and you know people got excited and just one project after another started happening so it was a real really exciting time they're still doing projects
1: it's just it i'm just simply amazed at what people can do when they work together and they got a a singular focus and it and it seems like just for like this whole area here it just seemed like there's so many people just came together and it was like we we can't
0: we can't let this die. The four private partners were amazing. Some of them are Phil Schultz, Gary Harand, and uh, Troy Farah. And Gary shared with me some of the things that came out of one of their early meetings. And they said uh, one of the things they did was they made a pact not to stop until it was done. And I, I just thought that was incredibly awesome. It is. What I would like to do is I want to talk
1: about... What what it is that that you're currently working on, what it is that you're doing, how do you help local artists that are in the community to to get started, to be able to launch their career? What are some of the programs that you have?
0: Well, since they started Uptown, a lot of the programs that we started had to do with attracting people downtown so that the new businesses that were being created would be successful. Sure. But also because we have this this mission to support local artists, We wanted to create things that would also help artists advance their career. So we started uh, the Flint Art Walk, which before COVID, uh, it's a little bit less now, but it's starting to build back up again. Before COVID, it was drawing over 3,000 people a month uh, all all year long. We we do it on the second Friday, so everybody knows it's going to happen. We don't hardly even have to publicize it, because on the second Friday, everybody knows they got to come downtown. and. We not only create art spaces. We have like 22 partners, so there's a lot of stops that people can make to experience something that has to do with the arts, whether it's visual arts or, or music or um, book signings, literary arts. There's you know every place has a different thing that that they want to do, and that's all that's required to participate. Is you have to do something that has to do with the arts to so that you can be a stop on the on the walk. But it, it it also fills up all of the the clubs and restaurants downtown on that night. Beautiful it creates a huge amount of income for those for those businesses, which also results in return business because once you've been somewhere and you've had a great time, you're going to go back there throughout the month. So the art walk had a lot, you know, played a really significant role in jump starting downtown business tailors, and then we also. Uh, we started because they the story they told us in Asheville about the effect the festivals had on getting support for what was going on downtown we, we started a program called the Parade of Festivals and I got a, got a grant from the Mott Foundation to support festivals that were happening to put together a marketing package each year that's, that that um, showed all the festivals together and we went out all over the state with brochures in the welcome centers on the highway and in the restaurants. And and we did television and radio and newsprint advertising. But we would always promote all the festivals together as a package. And part of that grant was an incubator to interest new producers in starting new festivals. Within a year or two, we doubled the number of festivals that were in Flint. Before COVID at its peak, we were up to like 22. Wow. Sweet Moses. Yeah. A lot of those are still still happening. I think we still have about 18 festivals here in the summer, even after COVID. Those festivals have drawn probably close to a million people a year to downtown, so the economic impact has just been phenomenal. We've also started a, uh, a lunchtime concert series uh, called Tunes at Noon. Okay. Uh, because I always felt like world-class cities have music going on. And why not do it during the day here when everybody's down here working? Why not? And we do 30 concerts in the summer, Monday through Friday, for six weeks. Whoa. And they're in the, uh, the Wilson Park, which is right in between the Farmer's Market and the University of Michigan Flint there.
1: I'm loving this recurring theme of it's, it's a very symbiotic relationship that the, the Greater Flint Arts Council has with the neighborhood. It's how can we enrich the community? And because we're enriching the community, then the greater Flint's Arts Council is, is more enriched. We're able to help more artists. We're able to help more businesses. So it's very, you know, the lines are just blurred, right? This isn't for-profit or nonprofit or, you know, business in a museum. This is like, this is a very community-wide effort.
0: Well, you know, our, our mission is to serve the whole county, but Flint is the county seat. If the, If the county seat is not desirable, it gives the entire county a black eye. So that's why we felt it was very important to to improve the county seat and make it something that everybody in Genesee County can be proud of. But since then, our efforts to help the entire county have been bolstered because we worked with the Flint Cultural Center group and some folks at the Burston Center and the McCree Theater and passed a millage in Genesee County that supports the arts. And the lion's share of the funds go to the larger institutions, but we have a substantial uh, half a million dollars a year we get to grant out to small arts agencies all over the county. So now we're financially supporting about 25 agencies spread out all the way across Genesee County. And the cool thing is, is that a lot of the money that those agencies are spending goes to artists. And so that, you know, that's supporting arts agencies is also supporting artists. So it's the, the two are married and those are probably the the two most important parts of our, of our mission here. Greg, if somebody's
1: listening to this interview and they want to check out what it is that you guys got going on events that are happening in the area, whatever that might be, what would be the best way for them to do
0: that? Well, we started an event website that's, free to anybody who's producing any and it's called geneseefun.com so if they if they want to know what's going on they just have to go to com, and events that are happening all over the county are, are posted there and they're always current because every event has an expiration and it just automatically disappears when it's over with artistically and culturally throughout genesee county If they want to know specifically about the Arts Council and what we do, we have a website, greaterflyartscouncil.org. And for our audience,
1: you can go to TotalMichigan.com, click on Greg's interview, and get all the links that he shared with us in today's show. Also, you can see other fascinating interviews that we've collected from other ordinary Michiganders who are doing some pretty extraordinary things.